Our gospel reading this morning is from the Gospel according to Luke, chapter 1, verses 39 through 45. In those days, Mary set out and went in haste to a Judean town in the hill country, where she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the child leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit and exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among men, among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why has this happened to me, that the mother of my Lord comes to me? For as soon as I heard the sound of your greeting, the child in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her by the Lord. Uh, We continue with Luke chapter 1, uh, verses 46 through 56. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has looked with favor on the lowliness of his servant. Surely from now on all generations will call me blessed, for the Mighty One has has done great things for me, and holy is his name. His mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the powerful from their thrones and lifted up the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy according to the promise he made to our ancestors to Abraham, and to his descendants forever. And Mary Mary remained with her about three months and then returned to her home. This is the word of the Lord. Thank our choir again for that lovely Christmas cantata. I spread it over two weeks, but I know that they've been singing Christmas music probably since October. Uh, Yep, yep. (laughs) So thank you, thank you. Uh, As we've said, today is the third Sunday of Advent, uh, uh, Gaudete Sunday, as it is called, the Sunday of Joy. Now, this strings back, you know, in, in church history, when we say something is the olden days, we're talking like, you know, 5th, 6th century, through about the 9th century, Advent was celebrated not... Uh, for the four Sundays before uh, Christmas, as we celebrate it generally, uh, but for the 40 days before Christmas. So that started on November 11th. The season of Advent began on St. It's called St. Martin's Lent, actually. Advent is St. Martin's Lent. Uh, and that was a 40-day period, another penitential season just like Lent, a, day, a season of reflection and Um, seeking forgiveness and seeking to reflect on what it means to have God's incarnation, the, the manifestation of Christ, God with us in our lives. And so it was a season of reflection, which is why we still have purple pyramids, the same purple pyramids that will be out during Lent, except, you know, just like in Lent, the Sundays don't count during Lent. In Advent... This Sunday 
is the Sunday of rejoicing. So it's to say it's almost over. Advent is almost over. We rejoice that God is coming to be among us. And so we have this third Sunday, which is different than all the other Sundays. Now, it is uh, always, the reading for this day always includes Mary's, what we call Magnificat, this beautiful poem that she, she shares. As I have uh, traveled around in various Christian circles, you notice if you are among your Catholic friends and your Orthodox friends, that Mary is very, very prominent. You can't go into a church where there isn't a statue of Mary or an icon of Mary, if not more than one. She is central to the entire theology of the Roman Catholic and Orthodox tradition, which means the old stuff, far older. You know, Protestants have this really bad habit of thinking that you know, the church history started with Jesus and then jumped to the Reformation in the 17th century. That's not the way that it happened. That's Methodist. Methodists jumped to the 17th century, then Lutherans jumped to the 15th. But in either case, there was this whole history of the church that happened before then where Mary was really, really central. And I, I spent a lot of time in um, seminary in a Roman Catholic uh, monastery And I spent a lot of time, you know, I just kept noticing these Marys everywhere. And as a good Protestant, I didn't get it because we just hardly ever talk about Mary. And so I started asking some of the nuns, you know, what is it about Mary? Tell me why, what is, what am I missing here? And they would get this spark in their eyes and they would get really happy and giddy and they would start talking about Mary. And I'm like, what? I mean, she gave birth. Yeah, great. You know, like, what's the, what's the deal? And they started talking about things like her willingness and her obedience. And I'm like, okay, yeah, that's good. Her faithfulness. I'm like, well, yeah. And then they started throwing around words like theotokos. You know, she's the theotokos. What? What are we talking about here? Theotokos is, in, in, the, in an Orthodox tradition, they would say theotokos, the God token. That is, the one who bared God into the world. That's pretty radical, actually, if you think about it. The one who bore God into the world. Okay, okay, now, now Mary's, Mary's coming up. And then when I'd ask my, my Roman Catholic sisters about it, they would talk about her, and they'd say she was a revolutionary. And I'm like, a revolutionary? What are we talking about here? And they said, the Magnificat, listen to her. You know, so, so my, soul rejo- my soul magnifies magnifies the Lord, which is a lovely thing. Does your soul magnify the Lord? Does your soul exude, make larger, grand God in the world? My soul magnifies the Lord, for he's looked on me with favor on the lowliness of his servant. And then he says, mercy is to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown the strength with his army, has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their thought." Hearts. He has brought down the powerful and lifted up the lowly. He's filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. Oh, my goodness, she is a revolutionary. She is about turning the world upside down, or rather, right side up, right to where it was supposed to be in the beginning. Mary, gosh, here this teenage girl, this teenage girl gets this vision for what God can do in the world. 
that all of the chaos in the world, all the dysfunction, all the disordered stuff in our world, Mary sees the birth of Christ, the birth of this baby that she has been called upon to bear as being the thing that's going to turn it all to the good, that God is going to redeem creation. And so she just exudes joy. It's a, it's a, it's a remarkable thing. She says, He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy, according to the promise made to our ancestors, to Abraham and to his descendants forever. Mary pulls back into history and says, God is fulfilling all that God has promised, that through this child, the world will come to fullness, the world will come to peace. Now, it's a pretty radical vision of Mary. It's pretty revolutionary. And sadly, it hasn't happened yet. It hasn't happened yet. It, it's sometimes even debatable whether Christians do more good in the world than harm. I've certainly seen a lot of Christians that are the opposite of joyful. Lots of dour Christians out there, folks. And Christians that have caused more harm than help. That happens. Mary calls us always to be people that, that bring forth love and hope, and we do this through faithfulness and obedience, through listening to what God calls each one of us. God calls each one of us to be bearers of God's word in the world, to be bearers of God's vision for the world, a world where all people are fed, all people are held uh, in, the, in the loving mercy and compassion of God, where all of the evils of the world are righted, where all of the, the lowly are lifted up. I kind of get the Marian stuff now. That's what they call it in the Roman tradition, the Marian theology. I kind of get it now. I kind of get it. Because I think it's for all of us. I think all of us are called to bear God into the world. All of us are called to be messengers that bring this vision of hope and joy, of a world set right, of a world the way God intended it to be when we pray the Lord's Prayer, you know, thy will on earth as it is in heaven. We're saying, help us create the world as you have created it to be. Not, not some far off land, but right here, right now, right in the midst of where we're at. It doesn't take much for us to look around and see that the world is not as God intended, intends for it to be. Indeed, the church is not as God intends it to be. But this Christian life is one that's always calling us forward, calling us forward together in hope and in joy and in peace, calling us forward to believe that God can do something new even with us, that God can take our our sordid lives, that God can take our, our struggles and our pain, and God can empower us, as Mary was empowered, to right the wrongs and to enter into a vision and a power and a joy and a story that is so much bigger than us and to offer ourselves to that. As you can see, I, I have I've drunk the Kool-Aid I'm now a fan of Mary because I think she is for us a vision 
of what we are called to be. Now, I'm, I'm not worshiping Mary or anything, but I think she's a good example for us, an example of living into God's vision and God's peace. And so as we prepare our hearts for Christmas this year, I want to invite us to be thinking about our own vision, our own hope, our own sense of anticipation as we prepare for Christmas. Are we anticipating God coming into the world? Are we anticipating God even coming into our hearts to change us, to renew us, so that we might be God-bearers? Where do we need to open our, our hearts a little bit more? Where do we need to allow God's peace to sink into us, to sink into the places where we might be holding on to a hurt or a fear or a resentment, an anger? Where do we need to allow God's peace to stir within us? Where do we need to let some joy spring forth? Sometimes when we're holding on too hard, we're not allowing God to pull us forward. So as we think about coming into this season, a season of Advent about anticipation and hope and joy, I invite you to think about your own heart. What are you anticipating? What hope are you willing to give yourself to? And where will you make room to be a God-bearer in your life and in the world? Let us pray. God, we thank you for this season of joy in which you open us in new ways to a word of hope and joy and peace and love in a world that so desperately needs that. And so, God, help us to be bearers, to be bearers of your love and peace and joy. Where we are holding on to something, we're holding on to anger or fear or past, help us to release those things so that we might embrace where you would call us to go that we might bear witness to your vision and your hope. For we ask it in the name of Christ our Lord. Amen.